4. And uh, just anytime you have any questions or anything we can help you out with, you know, please don't hesitate to ask. We uh, want you to know what we're doing, why we're doing it, want you to be excited about it. Amen. So there's nothing that we just expect you just take at face value. Just uh, dig in there and ask questions. and. And hopefully uh, you'll get answers that'll say, wow, that's, that's awesome. I love that. Amen. So 1 Samuel 4. And let's ask God to help us today. Without him, we can't do anything. Father, we're coming to you. If we're coming to you in the name of Jesus, asking for your help today, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for all you've already done, Lord. Every good and perfect gift comes from you, Lord. And Lord, every testimony that we heard here today of your goodness, of your, your love, your help, your, your power, your working, Lord, in our lives, we love you for it, God. And most of all, for Calvary. Most of all, Lord, that you shed your blood that we might be forgiven. God, thank you for the truth of your word. Help us, I pray, to have an ear to hear what your spirit would say to us, Lord. Talk to us today. Talk to our hearts, God. And God, help us to receive it, not only to hear it, but to obey it, God. We love you. We thank you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. First Samuel 4, verse 4. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from thence the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth between the cherubims. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were with the ark of the covenant of God. And when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout so that the earth rang again. God bless you. You can be seated. Hallelujah. A lot going on here right now in the word of God and and I believe every bit of the word of God. The Bible says all scripture since given by inspiration, it's inspired, it's God-breathed is what that word means. And God will talk to you. He'll, he'll teach you. If you want to hear from God, praise God, you'll hear from God. Amen. The Bible says, he that hath an ear, let him hear. It's not that God's not talking to you. It's are we listening? Are we paying attention over and over and over? He says, he, says, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. Oh, he's talking. I want to hear it. But in this day that we see this text, the people of God are in a bad spot. They are in a battle. And they are being put to the worst. They are being defeated in the battle. That's not the way it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be winning. We're supposed to be on the right side. God's side. If God be for us, who can be against us? That should have been on their minds. They're losing the battle. The Philistines are cutting them down. And somebody comes up with an idea and says, let's get the Ark of the Covenant. Let's get the Ark of the Covenant. That was the the box, the golden box. It says that he dwelled between the cherubim. See, it was a box that was really the central piece of of the furniture of the tabernacle at that time that was in Shiloh. It was what they carried through the wilderness, and and it was the lid of that box. So many things we could say about this, but on the lid of the box, it was the mercy seat. 
and there were angels, cherubims on each, either side and uh, uh, showing the reverence they would have. That's where the blood would be applied. See, the presence of Almighty God would dwell in that tabernacle, in that tent. It's always been God's desire to dwell with his people. But it was an imperfect covenant. It was the old covenant. And, it, and God was pointing toward, through all this, a covenant that he would make with us where he could put the blood of the Lamb of God upon us. That he could dwell in us. But in that time, it was the law of God was in that box. That law was holy. That law said, this is what you have to do to, to live for me, to serve me, to worship me, to be holy. Because I'm a holy God. And that law said, if you don't, the, trans, the soul that sinneth shall die. The wages of sin was death. So you have the, the law of God in the midst of God's people saying, I'm a holy God. And I'm looking for holiness. And then you've got the power of the living God dwelling, coming down upon that box that says he is a holy God. What hope does an unholy people have when dwelling with a holy God and his holy word? Well, between that presence and his word was the mercy seat where the blood was applied once a year. On the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, they would go in there with blood and it would make atonement for the people of God. It was God's presence that made the difference. It was their relationship, their covenant that made them a special people. Somebody got the idea, we're going to get this token, this, this obvious Evidence that God's with us. And we're going to put it out there in front of the battle. People got excited. People still get excited. Yeah, I don't know. Some of you, I mentioned some things the other day. Some of the buzz out in Christian uh, circles. Some of the gossip and maybe even you might say some of the conspiracy theories, if you will. And some of you said, I never heard anything like that. Because you probably just keep your nose in the word of God. You probably only have time for, for, for him and his word and prayer and not a bunch of this nonsense and distractions. How dare you? Now, I should say God bless you. And he does. You know, I've, I've been living for God, just seriously seeking him and loving him. Been in church really all my life. But but uh, I told somebody, I figured, I don't know, I looked at it again and said, oh, it's been... Uh, wow, almost 40 years, I guess. And uh, God just filled me with his power and I really dedicated and surrendered my life to God. And, and, uh, there gets to be these stirs in the community. Hey, somebody found the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, I heard that a few times over the years. And, uh, a lot of different ideas. Where is it? Some people come. Where is the Ark of the Covenant? Because, oh, if we find the power that's in that box. I mean, didn't you see that movie? Just melted their faces off. Somebody said that when Solomon's son saw that he was starting to go towards strange women, women that weren't part of the covenant of God, for whatever reasons, I believe he probably thought it was a great idea militarily. You know, you marry the emperor's daughter, he's less likely to to try to destroy your, 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 your palace if his daughter's living there. 
So, but they brought their false gods, and some people said that maybe his son, Rehoboam, saw his heart kind of going towards this idolatry, and uh, he snuck in sometimes. Some people say it was the Queen of Sheba came in, had an illicit affair with him, and her son saw it. He was a, a righteous man. None of this is in the Bible. A lot of fables and fairy tales. We got to get that out of there. We're going to change it out with a with a replica. And he's too dumb to even know what happened. And we'll take it down into Ethiopia or some country in Africa and have a, a priesthood watching it. Oh, they've got uh, some stories to tell. Some people say, no, no, it's not about that. It's, uh, you know, Jeremiah knew that King of Babylon was coming in. And, and uh, there was a, a wall, a siege wall that was around the wall of Jerusalem at that time that the Babylonians built so that they couldn't trade and get uh, uh, supplies and food so it would weaken their army. And that is in the Bible. But what isn't in the Bible? People say, man, Jeremiah saw that this was getting bad and, and knew by God that they were going to be taken into captivity. So he didn't want them to take the, the ark. So he stole it and buried it in that, in that grotto between the wall of Jerusalem and, uh, and the Babylonian siege wall. And there's even more stories of what happened. Maybe, maybe that was the mountain that Jesus died on. And, and that earthquake, his blood literally went down into the ground and went right on the Ark of the Covenant. Wow, isn't that something? That sounds pretty neat, but I believe he anoint, the anointing of the, the blood was... It all points to Jesus, really. See, the tabernacle, not only the Ark of the Covenant, but the t- candlesticks and the yeah. table of showbread and, and uh, the altar of incense and the, the brazen altar, the, the labor, even the veil. Yeah. It all points to Jesus. Right. It, all, it, it all pointed to him. The power that that had and the significance it had was fulfilled in Christ. Say, so, man, if the Jews ever got a hold of that, that Ark and... Some people say, I'm going to send money to Jerusalem. They're raising red heifers to be able to put on an altar. You're going to help them sacrifice animals? Is that what Paul said? You know, Paul loved the Jews. You know what he did? He tried to lead them to Jesus. He tried to preach them the gospel. What was happening here sadly sometimes happens today. People get their ideas about Well, it's kind of like what Paul said when he was walking through Athens. He looked at their worship and he said, I perceive that you are too superstitious. You got your eyes on really neat stories and the power that might be in this gold box and all the when you just really need a walk with Jesus. You really just was always about him dwelling in you. And, you know, even though they did have an ark. Even though they did have the, the angels, the cherubims, and the mercy seat, they made a great error that day. They made a big mistake that they didn't realize that it wasn't the power that was in the box and in the gold or even in the, the stone tablets, but the power was in their relationship with God. When they brought the ark out and everybody shouted, the Bible says, till the earth rang again. Spent a lot of time trying to look at that word, why the word again is in that. Trying to find, is there somewhere where the earth rang initially and now it's ringing again? And, and I personally, this time, I couldn't find anything specifically that it was hearkening back to. But I do believe that there was there was something there that revived hope in them 
that got them something had been lacking that they weren't willing to look at. And it got them excited like they hadn't been excited for a long time. But their excitement was misplaced. Their excitement was was the hype of uh, of feeling, now we're going to destroy them. Now we're going to, to, to defeat our enemy. Now we've got this. And, you know, their excitement, it uh, the Philistines didn't understand their relationship with God. They just knew idolatry. That's all they really understood. They had Dagon, their fish god, and they had uh, uh, their ways of worshiping idols. And, and they saw them bringing out the ark and hearing them get excited. And they got scared for a little while. They said, they're bringing out their gods. And their gods, we've heard stories about how they have destroyed the Egyptians and the Amorites in the wilderness. And they, they, they saw them acting like idolaters is what they saw. They didn't really understand it because they didn't know. But really, the Israelites were treating the Ark of the Covenant like any other pagan nation would treat their idols. We're going to bring out our our God and show you something. Now we're going to have victory. But the uh, Philistines, they were scared for a while, but they said, hey, let's uh, pull ourselves together. Let's uh, said, quit you like men and stop knocking your knees together in fear and let's go out there. And it ends up that just because they had the Ark of the Covenant in front of their army, they still lost. The priests, Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas were, were slain in battle. The Ark was taken. And Eli was a backslid priest, heard the news and and fell backwards on his chair and broke his own neck and and died that day. What happened? What happened? They had the Ark of the Covenant. These are God's people with with the very symbol of their relationship with God leading the battle. But we need more than a symbol, don't we? We need more than just a testimony of what we feel, more than the hype. What was happening was God was allowing them to get in this battle and allowing them to to taste defeat for a little while. What should have happened was exactly what Solomon had prayed some years later, actually, but they should have known this. See, in Second Chronicles, and this is leading up to a verse Brother Bob had mentioned in a testimony a while back. In Second Chronicles 6, years later, they're dedicating the temple where the ark would be set. And Solomon prays a prayer of dedication. An amazing prayer, really. Second Chronicles 6, part of this prayer, he says in verse 34. If thy people go out to war, is Solomon praying. If thy people go out to war against their enemies, by the way, that thou shalt send them, and they pray unto thee toward this city, which thou hast chosen. And the house which I have built for thy name. And hear thou from the heavens their prayer and their supplication and maintain their cause. If they sin against thee, for there is no man which sinneth not, and thou be angry with them and deliver them over to their enemies and then carry them captivity. 
He goes on and on and says that they, if they think about, wait a minute, the reason I'm in this situation is I've drifted away from God. The reason, there should be no reason I'm in defeated today. There should be no reason my enemy has the upper hand today. Maybe I should pump myself up with some faith. Get myself stronger and excited about a promise. You know, a lot of the promises of God are conditional. You know what it says in Second Corinthians, Second Chronicles, I'm sorry, Second Chronicles 7. God answers this great prayer in chapter 6. And he says, if my people which are called by my name humble themselves, shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. Did you ever hear of a conditional statement, if and then? If my people humble themselves, pray, turn. I want to tell you what, when Jesus came to earth, it wasn't an uncommon thing to hear him say, turn. Turn from sin. God's people so often, if you keep your finger there in Second Chronicles, if you would, turn with me to Jeremiah 6. We, we quoted this here earlier. Um, few services ago, I, I believe. Jeremiah 6. Jeremiah is talking about some of the false prophets, false teachers that were in the land, and there were multitudes of them, sadly. Jeremiah 6. See this so often. Jeremiah six fourteen. They have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly. A lot of helpful things out there. Amen. A lot of good advice, a lot of things. You know, church so much today seems so much like a self-help section of a bookstore. So much like the motivational talks that you can find littered on the Internet. But so few times do we get back to the heart of what the gospel is, which is turning to Jesus but away from sin. That people can humble themselves and look at their lives and examine themselves in all your struggles and all your problems and all your tears and just stop and say, there's some things I need to turn away from. I know and I believe that God loves you before you've ever made one step toward him. Believe that. But that doesn't make you saved. I can tell you about his love. I can tell you about his mercy. I can tell you about his forgiveness. But if I don't tell you that to appropriate that, to claim that as your own, means you've got to make a 180, turn away from an old life and turn to a new life. This Bible talks about a transformation. This Bible talks about a born again experience. Oh, I know. You know what Hollywood, the devil has used so well to make that phrase. Ah, oh, you one of those born againers? Oh, those weirdos out on the streets have signs, you know, sandwich boards that they walk around wearing. You know, you must be born again. The end is near. Yeah. Right. Jesus said that. That's right. A new birth yeah. is the hope of heaven because flesh and blood is not going to enter the kingdom of God. We need a new birth. Old things pass away. You look at your life and old things haven't passed away and all things become new. We need to find out what this gospel is all about. 
The Bible says those false teachers have healed the daughter of my people slightly, slightly saying peace, peace when there was no peace. Good advice, exciting scriptures, but leaving out the key details of if I submit myself to God, if I surrender and make him my Lord, that means something. It means something to say he's my Lord. It means before I take a step, Lord, I want, I, I want to glorify you. I want to walk in your will. It's a process. So it's already been said here, but oh, be engaged in that process. Hallelujah. If my people turn back second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. Brokenness in the presence of God seems to be a thing of the past in so many circles. To be able to humble yourself in his presence and, and be, be broken to tears, to be broken to not, I don't care what it sounds like to somebody around me. I don't care what it looks like. I don't have any pride that in my, in my, in my prayers just breaking. It's, you know, I, I, it's a little personal to me. It bothers me maybe a little bit more than some others because I came from a background that, uh, um, you know, I know what it's like to to be in growing up in an, in in that cliquish kind of atmosphere. I know a lot of us had to me. It was brutal to see that, you know, the cool kids with the cool styles, you know, that and, and you know what? It just seems like that has moved into the church. When you see somebody that is just trying so hard to. To have just that, that cool factor that Hollywood has portrayed rather than humbly just bringing people to the foot of the cross. It doesn't take a lot of theatrics. It doesn't take a lot of style and charisma. Just, but to humble ourselves. That's why I don't really let you get away with Maybe I'm not saying you meant anything bad by say I just I don't want to cry in front of people. Learn how to just let go of that and and and, because God understands that language of tears. I just afraid that somebody might think stop, stop worrying about that. Love Jesus. If my people humble themselves. You'll see in the Bible, the Old Testament kind of way was a, you know, a rending of the outer garment. Yeah, right. We're not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but we, uh, we are going to understand that it's, it's a recognition that it's not, it's not how cool I look. It's not how together I can keep myself. Right. I'm not interested. Don't care. I, gets, I, I could get a, probably... A little angry. Ah, like, oh, you know how, how how you did that. It's kind of silly. What you? Yeah, probably very silly to flesh. So what? Yeah. Not Paul said. You think I'm a fool? Hey, suffer me. Let me be a fool for a little while. Yeah. Right. This has to be about what it's about. Amen. And the the ability to keep the main thing the main thing means Jesus is exalted and we are humbled. It's not about how we can come across. It's how he can be exalted in our midst. If my people shall humble themselves, that means his will. That means I want to do his will. Say, but that's hard sometimes. It is hard to, to, to surrender your will. Go ahead and know that God's go, God is good. Not my will. 
But you don't understand. We all have to pick up a cross. And your cross maybe isn't my cross, but my cross is just as heavy to me as yours is to you. Amen. To humble yourself and what people are going to say, what people are going to think, what it's going to cost you. If I gain the whole world and lose my soul, I've lost everything. What would it profit you? Anybody who's ever been in that foolish game of this world of, of trying to impress people. Changes constantly. Amen. It's a, it's just, it's just hurtful. But when you come to Jesus and he loves you and he, he teaches you and he leads you and you're not afraid to be able to say, I need help. I need, I need, I need somebody to, 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 to pray with me or, or, or I need, uh, uh, that those examples the brother's talking about, uh, all those things are just beautiful when it's working together and you're not so worried like Jesus had no reputation, came and took upon himself no reputation. Yeah. Just want to be like him. Amen. My people humble themselves. Pray. Brother was talking about prayer and the importance of prayer. It's not a formula. It's not an easy just uh, uh, flow chart, if you will. It's, it's just talking to Jesus. Pouring your heart out to him. That's our worship services. I know uh, a lot of people are uncomfortable because we're really just trying to facilitate, trying to create, if you will, an atmosphere where you can just talk to God. I don't know the words of that song. I I don't either. But when I hear them and I start saying, thank you, Lord, that you're everything. And it just helps me to get into a place where I'm not just singing along with a choir, but I'm loving Jesus with all my heart. That I can worship him in spirit and in truth. Oh, I love it. And seek my face. You want to hear from God, seek his face. Seek him. What, what does that mean, his, his face? You, when, when you see somebody so often, you can tell when, they're, when you have your father's approval. It's so easy. It's, it's not so difficult. It really isn't. Don't make it something. It's not we and our will make it so difficult. But when you just seek his face, uh, it, it's, it's not so hard. We can see in the Bible so many places where it says this is sin, and if it's anything like that, stay away from that too. Yeah, right. <laughs> Even if it's close. Yeah. Because I know you. I know you like to say, well, it's not really that. Yeah. It's, it's, but if you have to say that, yeah. just, just get close to God. Because yeah. when you seek his face, seek his, his approval, seek his will, seek his what pleases him. Can I say it this way? Seek his smile on your life. A lot of people just seeking his permission might not be make you smile. Is God going to smile with the decisions you'll make today? Say, oh, he smiles at the cross and I've got the cross. That doesn't give you a license to just do anything you want to do. Shall we sin that grace may abound? God forbid you still have a choice. Choose to put a smile on his face. Do you ever think of it that way? Do you ever think about the ability to, to make a decision and say, Lord, not my will. I'm going to do what you want. And, I'm, and, and God smiles at that. 
Oh, it's so much easier to just get forgiveness later. Help us, Lord. Seek my face and turn. Somebody say turn. Turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven. What should have happened that day in Shiloh was that people were saying, why are we being defeated? Because we need to get on our faces and pray and say we're sorry for the sins that we have been committing. We're sorry that we've been doing our will our way. And Lord, please come back into our lives and, and help us, Lord, to to move forward now and overcome. They, they should have recognized it's not the symbol. They weren't where they needed to be. They needed to rededicate their lives and make some changes. Make some decisions to, to, to say, this is it. Today is a different day. I'm not. But they chose to just shout and get excited. Oh, did you feel that? Did you feel the presence of God? You know, I love feeling the presence of God. I think somebody testified, maybe several talked about it. There's so much more to living for God than what you feel in the house of God. You can shout till the earth rings again. But if you go back to the sin that God wants to take you out of, you don't have victory. Amen. To turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and will heal, heal their land. God wants us. God wants to bless us. God wants to give us. See, it's his will to bring victory. It's not his will that any perish. It's not his will that we're defeated. So he's willing to give you this direction and the wisdom that you need. He said, ask, I'll give it to you liberally. I'm not going to, I'm not going to scold you, upbraid you. KJV says, I'm not going to, I'm not going to scold you for asking me for wisdom, but I'm, but if you'll, you'll hear his voice and obey him, you'll have victory. Not every problem. Let me, let me finish with this. I don't want you to hear that I'm saying every problem is a result of, of, of sinful behavior, things you should have let go of. Uh, no, no, not at all. Not at all. Sometimes we have trials and tests and sometimes life is just life, you know. And we just use that to get closer to Jesus. We use that to exercise our faith. But certainly if we're losing in the battle, it's time to examine our lives. It's time to fall on our faces when we know, when we know we've made choices. Listen to me, church. It's not time to play games. It's not time to go through the motions. See, if this shows us anything, it shows us that you can go through the motions and shout and, and, and uh, affect those around you with your excitement and your enthusiasm and still be losing the battle. But there's victory for you. There's victory for you. If you keep learning, keep growing, keep taking one step after another into choosing his will, his best, seeking his face getting farther away from an old life and more and more entrenched in a new life. God's got nothing but blessings for his children of God that are submitted to him. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Hallelujah. A lot of things in our lives. We fight against God. 
we run the other way. Oh, hallelujah. God's God's leading, but are we are we following? Are we listening? Are we paying attention day by day? He's got a beautiful plan for every life here. He's got a beautiful plan for this church and for how you impact your family people around you but nothing nothing no exhibition no show of of excitement enthusiasm of, takes a place for a real humble heart that says Lord I surrender all here I am lead me here I am teach me here I am Lord you've got my attention I'm going to follow you. I'm going to let go of some things. I'll turn away from some things. I'm going to turn to you. Come on, let's take some time and talk to God. Let's take some time and pray. Jesus died that horrible death on the cross for our sins. Rose from the dead. He met with the disciples. Before he ascended into heaven, he said, Go and tarry in the city of Jerusalem. Wait in that city. Because there's an outpouring coming. That presence... 
power of God that dwelled on the mercy seat is now going to come down and dwell in you. That same fire that led them through the wilderness is going to going to come down upon each one of you. And you're going to be that temple. Your heart is going to be where I put the blood for mercy. And when that day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all there together in one place in one accord. The Spirit of God was poured out that day. The Bible says that it was noised abroad when that power came upon them and those that were celebrating that feast day of Pentecost all gathered together to figure out what was going on. Peter stands up in the midst of them and tells them right there, that religious crowd, that wasn't just any old body coming into that around that upper room, but that were that was religious Jews from all over the the country and, and the neighboring countries in the area coming in to, to celebrate Pentecost. But Peter preaches to them the gospel and tells them, repent of your sins in the verse 38. Repent of your sins. He tells the crowd of several thousand, turn away from sin, turn to Jesus. Be baptized. Bury that old life. He tells them, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This promise is for you. But not just you that are gathered here today. It's for your children and all. All that the Lord would call. That message is still going forth today, just like Peter said. Religious shows of enthusiasm. Lord, help us have repentant hearts. Help us have hearts that have turned from an old life and fully surrendered to the cross. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. We talked about that other cross the other day, the one that we so seldom hear about our own cross to take up, Jesus talked about. That we say, Lord, I'll follow you. I'll follow you to the end. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the for what you've done for us. Help us not to take it for granted. Help us not to just go through the motions. Help us not to have it on such a shallow level, but to humble ourselves and submit our whole lives to you, God. We love you. We love you. And Lord, we believe. That as we yield ourselves to you, there's victory. Nothing but victory. Nothing but your will in our lives, God, that's good. Let's all stand, Father, again. We just pray that you'll lead us out of this house to be a shining light. Lord, use us to bring glory to your name, God. And Lord, we pray you just keep us safe as we travel. Bless each one, Lord. Bless the service tonight if you tarry, God. If not, Lord, we... We say come quickly. We love you so much. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen, amen. God bless you.